Today I took a right turn. Uh, Where to? to be here on the program. Oh, you did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah instead of a wrong turn. Yeah. yeah. It's been yeah. a busy morning here at the Owens home. Spent many, many hours out in the garden. Got those tomatoes disciplined though. Well, I showed them who was boss. Rosalie gets out in that garden and she just, you know, well today the problem was she had a pair of scissors in her hand. <laughs> And it was and beautiful was weather besides that, that. Yeah, that was it. She couldn't stop. She just kept going. Finally, her, her hubby had to come out and rescue her and say, you've been out here too long. You need to go in. I'll finish up this part of the work for you. So I crawl back to the house. And here we are. Yeah. I'm excited oh, to talk with the t oh, all of you. Really? I mean, here we are. We're sitting in our uh, estate here at the, in the compound on the promised land in our little studio and just happy to share something with y'all and uh, we want to share something out of the Bible today. Last week we talked a little bit about the baptism in the Holy Ghost. We just touched on it. Yeah, you know, and uh, we put it in the context of when Jesus was after uh, he came back from the dead, the resurrection, and he spent 40 days with the people there and then when he was just about to leave we get to a place we're going to discuss another time where the, the disciples all say well will you restore the kingdom to Israel now mm. and we'll talk about that another time but Jesus goes on to say you stay here in Jerusalem don't go any place mm -hmm. until you are endued with power from on high the, and, and what he's referring to is the promise of the Father the Holy Spirit now, there's a place in Luke where it says, you know, if you your child asks you for something good, you're not going to put a snake on their plate. Mm -hmm. You know, even you know better to do that. How much more will the Father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask? Mm -hmm. You know, and so... And power. Right. And there are those amongst us in Christianity who believe in the baptism in the Holy Ghost as a separate and distinct experience after salvation. And... We want to go to a scripture today in John that sort of builds upon that. John chapter 20, beginning in verse 20, and it says, this is Jesus. He, he had just risen from the dead, and the women, remember now, most people miss this. Women were the first ones to see Jesus after he was resurrected, and women were the first ones to proclaim his resurrection. They went back to the disciples and proclaimed his resurrection. Well, yeah, the sisterhood. Yeah, the sisterhood. <laughs> I mean, you know, and there's been hundreds and hundreds of years where women weren't even allowed in ministry. In many yeah. denominations today, they still aren't. Mm -hmm. And yet here in the Bible, the first ones to proclaim the resurrection are the women. And what do the disciples do? They're back there hiding in the upper room, and they come and proclaim the resurrection. Ah, we didn't come on. You know, they don't believe it. Right. You know, they don't believe it. And this picks up right there. And in verse 20, it says, The disciples 
Uh, well, let's start a little earlier in verse 19 or 18. It says, Later on that day, the disciples had gathered together, but fearful of the Jews, had locked all the doors in the house. I mean, they were they were afraid. You know, Jesus had just been crucified. They didn't know if they were going to round up the rest of them and crucify well, I them. Well, can, I can understand Oh, that. you can only, yeah, I know it. It makes sense. But then he says they locked all the doors. And Jesus entered and stood among them. He entered. The doors were locked, but he entered. Scary. You would think so. And then he, he said, peace to you. Then he showed them his hands and side. You know, proofs that it was, it was him. him. Mm -hmm. You know, he said, then he took a deep breath and breathed into them. Receive the Holy Spirit, he said. Now, you know, all the time the disciples were traveling around with Jesus when he was healing the people and, and raising the dead and doing all these things, nobody was saved. The disciples weren't saved. The apostles weren't saved. Nobody could be saved from their sins. Well, Jesus hadn't died yet. Jesus hadn't died. He hadn't paid the price. He hadn't risen from the dead. He hadn't risen. Right. There you go. All those things. Because it is the death of Jesus and his resurrection that paid the price for our sins and then brought life to us. So at this point when he says he breathes in them or on them and says receive the Holy Spirit. Now, but then later, 40 days later, mm -hmm. he says don't go anywhere until you receive the Holy Spirit. So obviously, he's talking about two separate things. He said, receive the Holy Spirit in John, but then 40 days later, he said, don't go anywhere until you receive the Holy Spirit. And what people, many people, ourselves included, believe, is that when he breathed on them in John is when they were saved. They were saved. But in Acts, when they're following him out and he ascends into heaven, he tells them, now don't go anyplace until you receive power from on high, are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then you can be my witnesses, because then you'll receive the power to be my witnesses. And also remember when John the Baptist was baptizing everybody, and all the people came to him and said, well, who are you? Are you the prophet? Are you the Messiah? You know, who are you? And he said, well, no, I'm not the Messiah. And he said, I baptize you with water for the forgiveness of sins. But the one who comes after me, referring to Jesus, mm -hmm. he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, you know, so many, you know, that there seems to be, from reading the text, two separate experiences. The forgiveness of sins, which would be salvation. Mm -hmm. Although John couldn't baptize anybody on the salvation, Jesus hadn't died yet. Right. But... After Jesus' death and resurrection, salvation is possible. And the first to be saved, I would believe, it, from the text, it seems, were the disciples and the apostles. But then there's something else was needed. And then in Acts chapter 2, which we'll get to another time, after that happens, they receive, because Pentecost, the day of Pentecost arrives. And they're still up and they're still hiding up in the upper room for fear of the Jews. I mean, they're shaking in their boots. They're afraid they're going to get arrested. They're saved because Jesus came and gave them the Holy Spirit and they were saved. But they're still hiding in the upper room, waiting. He said, wait, wait there. Ten more days. Because Pentecost actually means the 50th day. It's the 50th day after Passover. Now, he came back, at, he was crucified at Passover because he was the Passover lamb. Mm -hmm. He came back and then stayed with the people for 40 days 
revealing himself even at one time to over 500 people at once. You know, letting people see that he was resurrected from the dead. Uh, letting Thomas put his fingers in his hands and all this. You know, but then he goes up to heaven. He ascends into heaven and says, wait here, 10 more days. Pentecost comes. And then in Acts chapter 2, and we'll get to that another time, you get the experience that Pentecostals take their name from. But it, it's all wrapped up in the, this two-step thing, you know, salvation and the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And now anybody who's saved is a member of the body of Christ. Yeah. They're our brothers and sisters. I agree. You know, it doesn't matter what name's over the door, what That's they right. call themselves, anything. If they're saved, they're a member, they're our brothers and sisters. Yeah. But there's a difference between just getting saved and being endued with power from on high. Oh, I, yes, yes, there is. You know, yes, and I would hate to be functioning out in the world without that power. Well, we did. You know, I know I, I know we did. A couple of years of be, be after I was saved, before I was baptized in the Holy Ghost, mm -hmm. I didn't even know about it. I'd never even heard about it. The, the church I, I went to as a child and the church I got saved in, they didn't believe in. They didn't hear, know about it. They never talked about it. They had, I never heard of it until years later after I got saved. About two years after I got saved, I encountered it in my studies. And sought it from God, and God gave it to us, and gave it to you. Yes, and back then it was very—it was really kind of a lot of people, and still do, consider it of the devil. <laughs> well, well, I was just talking to a brother the other day, a Christian brother, and we were talking, and uh, he was talking about God, and we're oh, we're praising God together, and all this kind of stuff. And then he asked me like. Uh, something about what kind of Christian you were or something like that. And I said, well, I'm a Pentecostal. He said, oh, you're one of them holy rollers. Oh, yeah. First and, thing everybody says. And, and to them, that's a pejorative term. They're saying, you know, it's like I remember going to a, a men's fellowship. This guy invites me. Oh, come. They're such beautiful guys. I go there. And when the same kind of thing comes up and the pastor asks me sort of what kind of Christian are you, I say, Oh, I'm a Pentecostal. And he says, oh, you mean them guys who swing on the chandeliers and stuff? I play with snakes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. we got your snake in your pocket or yeah, something, you know. Exactly. But, but it's so biblical. God says, don't go. In. You know, he doesn't tell us anywhere in the Bible, build churches, start ministries, do any of this stuff. But he tells us to be his witness. He tells us, you are my witnesses. Amen. Go and be a witness. Amen. But then he tells us, don't go until you're endued with power, because then you'll have the power to be my witness. Hallelujah. 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 Well, now we're going to share a song with you. This is one of our homegrown songs, as we like to call them. It's called Jesus the Lord, and uh, we hope you like it.
I hope you enjoyed that song. Yeah, um, it's a fun song. It and is. a good song. And sometimes a hard song for me to follow, <laughs> but I love it. Well, there is a story that goes with that song. Mm -hmm. Now, that is a song that where I, I, once again, back to baptism and the Holy Ghost and that, you know, we believe in speaking and praying and singing in tongues. Well, there came a time in my life where I would wake up singing in tongues. And it happened to me several days in a row. And I kept praying to God, you know, for an interpretation of what this song was. What, what am I doing? And I woke up singing in tongues. And then about the third or fourth day, I woke up, jumped out of bed, ran down, and wrote out that song. And that's where that song comes from. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, and it, it's a fun song to play, a fun song to sing, you know. We, we hope you enjoyed it. But what we're going to go into now is sharing the next chapter in America's Trojan War. Now, recently I had someone tell me, uh, after hearing several of these chapters, they said, well, now i got to go out and get the book. i got to read the book. I can't wait. You know, and that's... Good. That's <laughs> we like to hear that. Yeah, yeah. You know. And all these books, America's Trojan War is the first book in a five-book series it's about a civil war in modern America that begins with a tremendous terrorist attack in 2016 and then flows through to 2024. So it starts in the past now, although I wrote, when I wrote it, 2016 was in the future, and now it starts in 2016 and still flows forward into the future. It's sort of an alternative dystopian history of America. And they're all available. All these books are available, as are all my books, on Amazon.com. And to find this, just go to Amazon, and in the search bar, just put in uh, America's Trojan War, Dr. Robert Owens, and it'll pull it right up for you, and we hope you enjoy it. So here we go. Chapter 7, Beheading a Sleeping Giant. The four columns barreled down America's magnificent highways. By a combination of bluster, bluff, and force, they had avoided any interference from police or any other of the many forces that were meant to protect the homeland. At exactly 40 minutes after the four columns hit the highways, the four captured radio stations began emergency broadcasts. WNNA in Rockville, began announcing that a terrorist attack was underway in Frederick, Maryland. WOSK in Vienna, Virginia, began announcing that a terrorist attack was underway in Manassas, Virginia. WWNI in Bristol, Maryland, began announcing that a terrorist attack was underway in Annapolis, Maryland. WGNR in Calverton, Maryland, began announcing that a terrorist attack was underway in Baltimore. All four stations also sent the information on to their respective networks, the UPI and Reuters, all of which began spreading the stories along to all their outlets, radio, television, and print. At the same time, the four captured police departments reported massive movements of armed men heading towards the locations reported by the radio stations. Simultaneously, company-sized groups of warriors who had been arriving at the police stations since their capture, began fanning out around the stations, occupying an area large enough to provide a perimeter several blocks in diameter. 
They systematically went from house to house, killing everyone. Once they had an area they felt was defensible, they began rigging all the buildings with explosives and booby traps, using cars and trucks to barricade streets as snipers took their places on rooftops and waited for their opportunity to die a martyr's death. The warriors who captured the police stations, acting as the shock troops for the defense of their now sizable fortified area, hit the streets with the armored vehicles and other tactical equipment that had been so generously supplied by America's Defense Department. As the perimeter was established around the police stations, other company-sized groups of ISIS warriors arrived at the local airports in all four locations. All of them were civilian airports, and all four were homes for large corporate fleets complete with numerous jets and fuel supplies far greater than found at most local airports. With ease, the ISIS terrorists swept aside the nominal security found at all four airports, and within moments established complete control of the facilities, establishing a defense perimeter, with the invaders rapidly digging in behind hurriedly established barricades made of vehicles. As soon as the control towers were in ISIS hands, they began filing flight plans for the corporate fleets each airport housed. Each plane was being sent as a manned missile to a different city. Hurriedly, the planes were fueled up with enough for one-way trips to their locations. They were quickly airborne and on their way. Everything was going according to plan, and everything was coming off without a significant hitch. Abdal el-Shalib, the overall commander, and the one appointed by the great Emir Abu Omar al-Baghdadi himself as the governor of the Islamic State province of America knew this could not continue. Every moment he expected to hear his columns had been engaged by the unbelievers. Every moment that passed without that happening was a moment closer to victory. Abdal had been in Washington for more than two years. He was employed as an Arabic translator and consultant by the Department of Homeland Security. During his time in Washington, besides filtering everything he translated and all the consultation he had offered through his inner ISIS bias, he diagrammed, measured, and reconnoitered the entire D.C. area. He even established GPS coordinates for all his intended targets. As the sun was rising in a brilliant blaze of red and purple, the four columns made it to the beltway. As he began crashing through the traffic and running over cars that couldn't get out of the way, the alarms began going off. Police and other emergency first responders were being dispatched to the four areas. This was happening just as the captured radio stations began broadcasting their emergency messages. In short order, the columns crossed the beltway, easily brushing aside any police who happened to arrive. Following the master plan, all four brigades quickly occupied four major hospitals in the D.C. area. Strike Force 1 from Rockville 
Crash Through the Gates of Walter Reed, Strike Force 2 from Calverton, zeroed in on the Adventist Healthcare Campus. Strike Force 3 from Bristol was moving into the large St. Elizabeth Complex. Strike Force 4 from Vienna easily subdued any resistance and gained control of the Great Virginia Hospital Center. All of these locations were chosen for several reasons. All of them occupied enough space to receive an entire armored brigade. All of them had significant defensive assets, such as concrete barriers and strong fences, both of which could help in the defense of the facilities when manned by well-trained and well-armed combatants. Like clockwork, the men all flew to their assigned task. Those acting as the MP sections of the brigades began establishing a presence on the perimeters. The tanks and Bradley fighting vehicles were unloaded, the self-propelled guns were positioned, and machine gun squads fanned out around the perimeter as the engineers began moving the concrete barriers to their most important positions. Companies of infantry went through the hospitals, rounding up everyone, doctors, nurses, orderlies, everyone and herding them into large rooms where they could be guarded by just a few men. Any security guards were killed. In all of this, as was expected, many people were able to call 911 and other sources to let people know what was going on. Police were already assaulting the perimeters with little effect. With the many spurious radio and now network reports of attacks at many different locations, the authorities were stunned and confused. In short order, the tanks and self-propelled guns roared to life. Time to perfection. Just as the guns began to bark, the corporate jets began crashing into major hospitals in Richmond, Virginia, Baltimore, Maryland, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Simultaneously, using mortars, the forces holding the perimeters of the captured police stations began firing in all directions and began shelling the towns aiming first and foremost at the hospitals. All of this caused a massive tie-up in communications as people tried to sort out what was happening. It was nothing to what was about to happen. The invaders had come equipped with the exact GPS coordinates for all their primary and secondary targets. These had been programmed into the Abrams and the self-propelled howitzers making their fire dead-on accurate. The Abrams tanks and self-propelled howitzers of Strike Force 1 and 2 concentrated their combined firepower on the White House. Strike Force 3 zeroed in on the Pentagon. Strike Force 4 took out all the bridges across the Potomac. Then they joined Strike Force 3 in bombarding the Pentagon. The Apache longbows of all four strike forces launched their full complement of Hellfire missiles at the chosen targets of their respective units. All four positions were now under a growing attack by local police forces, including SWAT teams. The police were no match for the heavy machine guns, the Bradley fighting vehicles belching out 25 millimeter rounds at 200 per minute and the concentrated fire of whole companies of infantry. The burning buildings surrounding each facility soon began to create a no-man's land, a land of death. The dead and dying first responders valiantly tried to face down America's own weapons in the hands of those our government had told us we must rescue. Abdal 
Al Shalid sat back in the director's office of, at Walter Reed. He had joined Strike Force One as soon as they were in the city, and now he was surrounded by his lieutenants. Tables had been brought into the big office, and maps of the city were spread everywhere. Pre-placed spotters from around the city were calling in the first results of the bombardment. The White House is flat, nothing but a smoking crater, shouted one communications expert with joy. Order Strike Force 1 and 2 to move their fire to Congress, Abdal ordered. The bridges are down and the Pentagon is burning and consumed in flames, another communications man reported. Order Strike Forces 3 and 4 to target Fort Leslie McNair, Bowling Air Force Base, and every other military facility in the area. When they have placed a salvo on each, tell them to move on to every police station in D.C. and Arlington. Abdal ordered as another aide handed him a phone saying, It is General Malouf. General, I want your martyrs ready to deploy as soon as their targets open. Yes, Excellency, replied General Malouf. Order all Apaches, except for one left over for air cover at each position, to attack Andrews Air Force Base, Abdal said as he poured over maps. The sound of gunfire was continuous, and the roar of the Apaches overhead almost deafening. But in the silence of his mind, Abdul laughed. We have done it. We have beheaded the sleeping giant. Sir, our spotters report that Congress has been wiped off the map. Excellent. Order them to move on to the Supreme Court. After two salvos, tell them to cease fire and conserve ammunition for defense. When the unbelievers wake up today, they will be in a new world. No longer will they sit secure behind their oceans while our people die. Today they die, and the caliphate will take its place as Allah's victorious weapon in trampling the crusaders and their polluted culture into their own blood-stained dirt, Abdul shouted in triumph, cheering, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. The assembled staff of the first ISIS province of America gloried in their victory as Americans woke up in a whole new world. Hope you enjoyed that reading. Robert, I want to thank you for doing that. Uh, he's been taking time every week to read a chapter of the book, and um, it, it's good, it's, and I thank you for doing that. We hope you all enjoyed it, and don't forget, you can get it through Amazon. I took the right turn, and it turned out wrong. I took the wrong turn, and it turned out right. It don't matter which way you go.